coming off the top of the cage it is the top of the cage podcast as always i am bill joined by my tag team partner justin juice cannon what's up juice tired recording in the morning i'm not a morning person so i'm, I'm sleepy boy a little under the weather too <laughs> yeah i can hear it in your voice yeah it sucks it's the yeah. first day of work too but... oh. <laughs> i know it's 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 that time of year i had a little something a couple weeks ago too but we just push on with a new episode of top of the cage non-interview episode our first one in a while and we have quite a few things to talk about. And I think we'll, we'll start off first with, with something that you and I both, I think, were pretty, uh, I don't want to say upset, but, you know, it's definitely something that we wish could have went differently. And uh, that is the release of Jeff Hardy. For, for those who do not know, this past week, Jeff Hardy was released from his WWE contract. There seems like it was a lot of conflicting reports about what the actual reason behind the release was for i mean there you you had the rumors or you had the the news i guess of uh jeff kind of being out of it during a live show you know walking away from the match and then you get the reports coming out that wwe had offered him to go to a rehab service and he declined it and then he gets his release a couple of days later it just kind of seems like the whole situation is is a cluster, honestly. But regardless of the situation, you know, it, it's definitely sad to see another release from WWE this year amongst the year of crazy releases. Uh, I, I think that the timing of this Jeff Hardy release is interesting, too, because there was a lot of people, especially on like Twitter and, and Reddit, that I saw kind of praising Jeff for his recent work. You know, he had some good matches with uh, Damian Priest. Uh, he, he kept himself relevant with Austin Theory, had you know, really helped kind of Austin Theory get put on the map. And then he's released, you know, again, I, I don't really know the whole situation. You know, I feel like you know, we saw tweets from Jeff's wife and Matt's wife about, you know, just like staying out of the family business that everybody's good. And I don't know. I guess I'll start with him at a live show, just dipping mid-match. Something obviously being wrong, then it all escalated from there. You know, I hope he's okay. I hope he gets the help he needs. Um, I think it's probably staying home with his family and just finally retiring and taking it easy because the road life is really hard. Always being on the road away from your family 300 days, 365 days of the year. It sucks. So, you know, I wish the best, Jeff. Jeff's, you know, one of the most beloved current wrestlers right now. Like, he always gets big pops and always gets big fan support. So good luck to him and his family and whatever is next for him, if it's retirement or if it's just reuniting with his brother or whatever it is. Would you want to see the Hardy Boys in AEW? I would like to see it, but I think I think what's best for him is in, is in wrestling. It's just staying home. So I'd rather he just higher because i'd rather he get his ducks in a row and be happy than us be happy so you know i can live without seeing parties in uh in aw but it would be really cool to see 
and I would like to see Hardy's versus Young Bucks, Hardy's versus Santana and Ortiz. So many great matchups, but uh, you know, it's not about us, it's about him. Yeah, and like Drew said, we wish nothing best but the best for Jeff and his family during this time. We do hope we see Jeff Hardy in a wrestling ring again, but whatever is best for him will remain what's best for him. We always got to remember wrestlers are also people too. And we'll move on here to another big topic that has come out in this past week. And that is Johnny Gargano has officially been cleared from a WWE contract. Now he was one of those ones that his, once his contract's up, he can wrestle anywhere, right? Yeah, there's no um, there's no 90 day rule. Once if if you just let your contract expire, you don't have to go by that. If if he really wanted to, he could have showed up at Rampage last night. I, I don't think Kyle Riley legally could have, but he, he could if they had something tonight, he could have showed up tonight. But uh, yeah, but Johnny um, his free agency, really nice promo, and then he 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 also those I imagine it's probably his idea to be like yeah have have one of the young guys attack me. Grayson Waller attacked him. And then I guess they went off air and Ciampa like joined him in the ring. Kyle Riley went up there and Johnny waved him in the ring. And it was really touching and uh, sweet. Now uh, Gargano, he opened up his pro wrestling tees shop again, starting his Twitch. He'll probably put his booking email up soon. So that's awesome. I mean, I, I kind of expect him to just take it easy. And just, you know, stay home for a while until February when his child is born. Just, you know, and be with Candace for a while. But it seems like he's just going straight after it. So I'm curious where he goes. If it's just focusing on the indies and just focusing on his family and doing indies occasionally. Or if he is going to go to AW or Impact or New Japan or something like that. Curious to see what the future holds for Johnny Wrestling. Agreed. I, I think it's really exciting that... We really are at a time of wrestling. And yeah, the releases aren't great, but kind of like what Rich said on our previous podcast. And if you guys haven't listened to our interview with Rich Palladino, make sure you guys are checking that out after you check out this one. Is that it's more of their, their little misused. And I know in Johnny's case, you know, Johnny was the face of NXT. He was Johnny Wrestling. He was Johnny Takeover. You know, there's no doubt in the success that Johnny Gargano had within WWE NXT. But I do hope that he goes somewhere fulfill some of those dream matches i think aw probably will be his landing point again i hate i hate to be that guy that says every released wrestler should go to aw blah 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 but he just is a guy that fits there i mean you know aw is a lot more of like the faster high impact wrestling and that's kind of johnny's style you know he's he's really good at what he does good wrestlers are in aw but like you said New Japan, New Japan has plenty of wrestlers kind of like Johnny in, in terms of size, stature, and style that he could really work with well. And I think Impact is going to benefit a lot from a lot of these guys that are now kind of coming up to that 90-day point. So I, I hope that if Johnny doesn't go to AEW, I, I would like to see him maybe in an Impact. I think that that would be a good landing point for him. He would be a big star there, kind of get some eyes to the TV for Impact, too. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that'd be nice. Another place... I like to see him show up, not like sign, but um, because they have the open door policy. Get have some good matches in MLW. I'd like to see him and like the two, him and Hammerstone, him and Myron Reed, stuff like that. Because they have a very fast style too, since the show's only like an hour. It's usually just wrestling focused. So that'd be a cool place to see him have a couple matches. 
So in talking about Gargano, uh, something that you had put on our sheet today, which I think is a really interesting discussion topic, is the Mount Rushmore of Johnny Gargano matches. There was definitely quite a few classics, especially within his time in NXT. And, you know, even from his debut, even from them being in DIY with uh, Ciampa, I mean, there is a lot of matches that Johnny Gargano has put on, on takeovers, and even just NXT free TV that are master classes. You know, matches of incredible stature. So, uh, like we did with our previous Mount Rushmore, uh, we can go one at a time. We will pick a match. I'm sure a lot of these matches are going to be similar for us, though. I, I, I have three that I think we probably have the same. I'm just going to go first and get this one out of the way. Probably what is highly regarded as Johnny Gargano's best match from his time in NXT. Probably the other person that's involved in this match is uh, best match within NXT uh, WWE. And that's Johnny Gargano versus Andrade for the NXT Championship at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. I mean, I remember watching this match live and I was in college and a group of <laughs> a group of girls walked into my room during this match and they because we were going to be going out after the after the, the takeover was done and everybody just sat around and watched the match like that's how good the match was a group of people who who, who had nothing invested in the wrestling just got enthralled with the match i mean it was gargano's journey you know to get the title and that was after the chompa turn I mean, there was just so much passion and emotion and just a, a great story told in this match. And, you know, I, I think that it truly is a masterpiece and probably, like I said, both of these guys best match than WWE NXT. Yeah, I mean, I, I expected both of us to have this one on there. This is my favorite NXT match. A lot of people consider it the greatest NXT match of all time. Yeah, this is on my list, too. So I'm just going to get out of the way. Gargano versus Andre Andrade take over uh, Philadelphia. It was just a masterclass of storytelling, in-ring wrestling, character work. It was just perfect. Uh, there's not really much to add that you didn't already say. So we can just move on to your number two. I probably have it too. <laughs> well, my number two, which I, I, I don't know if if this is one on yours i don't I, this isn't what I'm, I'm questioning but you know this is this is honestly one of like the most interesting matches i think in my opinion was johnny gargano versus tomaso champa in the unsanctioned match at nxt takeover new york because at that point i feel like unsanctioned matches weren't used very often i feel like since this match unsanctioned matches have really become like a big like good way to tell a story for two characters who need a big blow off big brawl to happen and i mean that was this story you know beloved nxt tag team beloved partners to each other never would turn each other's on each on each other and then we get the faithful nxt card pops up about to go to black champa throws gargano into the set and then we all know what happens from there but this just kind of really felt like a very rewarding blow off. Gargano's matches are all about storytelling, all about the passion, all about the wrestling. And these two guys brought it in an absolutely brutal match. I mean, it was so psychological. It was so brutal. I don't know. If, if you can't say that you didn't love to see, 
you know, top of his game, baby face Gargano against top of his game, heel Ciampa, especially at this time, you know, you, you need to go back and, and watch this match. That's a good one. And that's not the, I seen it. I knew we were both going to have a Gargano versus Ciampa match on here. I was curious which one you'd choose since there's so many. I'll go with mine. Um, it's definitely a different one. It's the final one. It's Gargano versus Ciampa in New Orleans. Take over New Orleans. The one, um, I think it was unsanctioned too because Gargano wasn't on contract. He needed the fight for his contract back, um, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's the one. That's like the final one. Well, not the final one. It wasn't the final because they took like a two-year lapse until the next one. But yeah, I think that'd be mine on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, the New York one was great. You know, like Sh- Chicago Street Fight, that was great. They had such great chemistry as a tag team and as rivals that uh, Gargano versus Chama match definitely has to be on a Mount Rushmore of anyone, I think, of Johnny Gargano matches. Yeah, that's definitely a good one, too. However, I... I was thinking about even putting that one on my uh, Mount Rushmore, but I'm not going to. And one thing you were just talking about with Gargano is obviously tag team wrestling. And there was a point in NXT where I truly believe that NXT had the legitimate best tag team roster in all of wrestling. And one of the best matches produced from that was DIY versus The Revival in a two out of three falls match for the NXT Tag Team Championship at NXT TakeOver Toronto. I mean, both of these teams, man. The Revival were so good at that old school style of wrestling. You know, they were tag team wrestling specialists and they still are as FTR. They cut Gargano so far out of... You know, his corner, they just divided the ring in half. And then you get uh, Gargano coming back into the match, hot tag to Trampa, or I'm sorry, Trampa coming into the match, hot tag from Gargano. And I don't know. This this is an extremely good tag team match. I don't think that, you know, I, I think that history has kind of really overshadowed how good DIY was as a tag team, just because their feud that came after their turn on each other was was beautiful. But yeah, I, I think if I'm going to pick a tag team match, that's the one I'm going to be picking. Uh, again, you're making my job easy. because that's, that's on mine. <laughs> I love tag team wrestling and the Revival, or now FTR, they're one of my favorite tag teams. They're definitely in my top three current tag teams. Obviously, Santana and Ortiz at number one. That's a great match. There's nothing to add that you didn't already say on that one. So we can just move on to number four, just cruising by. Number four for me, I think, is probably one that might not be on yours. I, I just really like the other guy in this match. And that is uh, Gargano versus Ricochet for the North American Championship at NXT TakeOver Phoenix. I just thought both guys really brought it to be honest. Uh, I like that it was kind of a little bit of a spot fest. I mean, as as most matches involving both of these guys in particular against each other are. But, I mean, it was Gargano's first singles championship in NXT. 
you know, both of these guys were just so fluid, smooth in the match. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. And, you know, it, it, a lot of people might not consider it a great match, but I thought it was a really fun match. And, you know, wrestling should be fun. So you guys want to watch a fun match today? This would be another one I recommend tuning into. So it's not on mine, but it almost made mine because it's an important match to me because, uh, you know, you know, I'm addicted to wrestling. I watch a lot. Like, I consume so many different shows frequently, watch a lot, past stuff, present stuff, everything. But I really got back into wrestling like three years ago. And the event that got me into it was TakeOver Phoenix. And this is the match that really got me hooked. This in the tag match between the Undisputed Era and the Viking Raiders or uh, Viking, yeah, War Raiders at the time. So, yeah, this match means a lot to me. It was a great match. It was fast-paced. It was uh, really Gargano as a heel. He was kind of a tweener. Still in that a new chapter of the Ciampa-Gargano rivalry. So that's a great match. Mine is, mine is not too much longer after that match. It's uh, Gargano versus Adam Cole take over New York. Two out of three falls, the beginning of the Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano trilogy. Uh, it's a basic answer, but it was just a classic match. I was invested the whole match. It was so, it was told perfectly. I wish Gargano's NXT championship reign was longer than two months. This is a great way to start it. And Adam Cole was the perfect person to take the belt off him, I think. Even better than if Ciampa was healthy because he got hurt. Because the original plan was Ciampa versus Gargano. And Gargano be the one to take the title off Ciampa. But injury to Ciampa didn't allow that to happen. So yeah, that's my that's my Mount Rushmore. Gargano versus Andrade. Gargano versus Cole. DIY versus Revival. And Gargano versus Ciampa at New Orleans. I think that we both have a pretty good Mount Rushmore there. And uh, wherever Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover takes himself in the future, I know we both will be awaiting with bated breath. All right, and now it is time for the Young Stud Studette Spotlight where we let superstars under the age of 29 shine. All right, Juice, I'm going to let you start, mainly because, I'll be honest here, I don't really know who this is. That's fine. I mean, that's kind of why I chose this person. So you might know him by a different name, but probably not. Uh, he was Ben Carter in the Indies, and he appeared in AEW. And I remember AEW had late night dynamite. It was like 11 o'clock, like, last year and it was Scorpio Sky versus Young Kid Ben Carter in a very uh, match full of high spots, very high flying match. Ben Carter was appearing in Dark a lot in this match. And he did really well. He was a really athletic talent. He impressed AEW, but he also impressed WWE. He wasn't signed to AEW. So I, I, right after, I think it was probably a week after this match, he was signed by WWE and he uh, joined developmental and now he's performing at NXT UK for quite a while, which is funny that uh, 
WWE kind of poached a guy that was about to sign AEW. But that's how it works. Like, AEW needs to, if they're going to showcase these guys at dark and stuff, you got to be aware of the risks of who's watching. He, I think it's next Thursday, is a big match against A Kid, another young, talented star for the number one contendership to the Heritage Cup, which is a title in NXT UK, but it's a trophy. It's, it's weird. That'll be a great match full of uh, high spots. That'll be a flippy battle. Two great athletes, but guys who can tell a story will be good for um, these two young stars. He's 23, I believe, 23, 24. Got a bright future ahead of him. It's just pretty good character work. He still has work to do and terms of promos and really finding a unique identity but he's got a promising future the kid's good definitely recommend to check him out it'll probably be pretty easy to find his matches there's plenty of matches on the network on peacock and that's it on him i'm glad you're going second because uh i think the guy you chose is definitely more the bell of the ball right now especially after last night Yes, and I, I took I chose this person on purpose. I'll be honest. For those of you, again, this is kind of kind of news, I guess, because he's currently like the internet's favorite wrestler, it seems, and uh, that is none other than Hook. Yes, the Hook was actually sent against Fuego del Sol on Rampage last Friday, and. I'm not going to lie. I really love his look. Like, I love, like, the the boxer-looking trunks, hands-taped-up look. I mean, he's, like, he's, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty open person. You know, he's kind of an uh, attractive young man, only at the, the age hair. of 22. Right, the hair, too. Like, because he kind of, like, I, I, again, not to, not to, like, really sound mean here, but he kind of looks like a douche, you know? Like, like, you just, like, look at him and think, like, this guy's probably an asshole. And he is. I mean, like the way that he carried himself in the ring, like for it being his debut match, he he commanded attention in the ring. I was super impressed with that. I mean, but he he has he has a father, Taz, who's been in the business forever. And Taz is a great talker. Taz was always good with that ring psychology and, and his in-ring work as well. You know, I, I think that Hook, although he doesn't really have like the size like Taz. His wrestling style was really good like him. You know, a lot of suplexes, a lot of, you know, just muscling up his opponent. And then his finish, I mean, <laughs> he just fucking finished him and walked out of the match. Like, like that's just so cocky, but so good. You know, it, it makes you really wonder. Kid's only 22. Uh, I don't really know when he started training because I, I was trying to find like a Wikipedia page on him and apparently he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. So uh, I'm not too sure when he started training. But obviously, you know, father like Taz, I'm sure he's been training or at least been involved with the wrestling world for a while. So I want to put Hook on the Young Stud Spotlight tonight because, again, I was really impressed with that debut match. Uh, I don't think he'll probably be seeing anybody big probably within the next few months. You know, I think Fuego was definitely a good hand to, you know, give him a little bit of an enhancement. Good first match. Looked fun. And I hope that we see... Hook gets sent on many more people coming up in the future. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't expecting much for Hook in his debut, but he impressed. Just from the entrance alone, the start, that was a great start because I'm a big Action Bronson guy, so I love coming out the Action Bronson. 
And uh, it looks like he's a, he has good in-ring skills. He's, he's good. People say that it's one of the most impressive debuts recently. I'd have to agree with that. He looks pretty polished and ready to go. You could throw him into some spotlight matches if need be. I agree with you. They probably won't too soon. But I'd, I'd like to see him and Sammy go for an open challenge since Sammy is facing so many people right now. Is Cody on deck? Ethan Page looks next. You know, that looks like a feud. But you could throw another open challenge in the middle of a feud with Hook. Just give Hook a moment. So, yeah, I, I'm i actually was shocked. I'm kind of impressed with Hook. It wasn't really a match I was interested in. I, was, I wasn't going to watch it, but I decided to. And uh, I'm glad I did. I'm not a big Fuego guy. I mean, he's, he's cool, but I'm not, like, a, a big fan. And Hook, I wasn't really that excited for Hook, but now I kind of am. Now I am. I like Hook. I'm in on Hook. Also, all the all the memes of him and the Hook movie poster, and I love the Hook movie, so that's cool. I like Hook. <laughs> I like Hook now. I'm hooked. Hooked on Hook. Yes, and I, I like like we said, if you guys at all have any suggestions for us for Young Stud Spotlight, Remember, it's any superstar, male or female, any gender, any company, as long as they're under the age of 29, you can let us know on social media. And Juice, where can the people find us on social media? On Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. On Instagram, TOTC underscore pod, all lowercase letters. Levers, letters. Yeah, that's where you can find us. We're also on Anchor. It's where our episodes are. Spotify as well. Apple Podcasts and many other platforms which can all be found on Anchor. That's where you can find us. Also, keep voting on our end of the year podcast awards. You can find it on our link tree, which is in both our social media's bios. This is the final round. We got a couple tiebreaker ties to break, so help us out. Thank you. And we'll mosey on along here, and we will go into another favorite segment of mine our fantasy booking segment. How would you book them? Where we strap on our fantasy booking hats for storyline dreams, and so a writing team will hire us. I brought our how would you book them to the table today, and I think it's an interesting one because it's it's one of those biggest what-ifs within wrestling. I know, Juice, you recently have only really gotten back into wrestling within the last three or four years. And this is something that happened almost on like the cusp of about five-ish years ago. And that is Sting debuting in the WWE at Survivor Series. Now, the thing about Sting's debut is he targeted the authority in Triple H. But what I want to talk about is let's say Sting debuts, same pay-per-view, because this pay-per-view is synonymous to one person, according to WWE at least, and that is The Undertaker. So I want to talk, what if Sting debuts in WWE but targets The Undertaker 
instead of Triple H. So the still set the scene here. Survivor Series 2014. I don't know what I'm talking about. Said it was only a couple years ago. It was actually seven years ago at this point. You have Sting at the pay-per-view. I say you have an Undertaker match at Survivor Series, though. It's a big, it's a big four pay-per-view. Undertaker has a match. I don't really know who you've been feuding with up to this point, but let's say he was feuding with somebody. And I think you have Sting debut almost the same way. Undertaker, for all these years, has been synonymous to the blackout. One second, you hear the, you see the lights go out, you hear the gong. Undertaker is in the ring. Undertaker choke slams, tombstones, punches out the guy that's in the ring. And then all of a sudden, Undertaker's in a match and something happens to him. And you still hear the, the crow call because that, that kind of became synonymous to sing. And all of a sudden, you just see, you see the Titantron flash, Sting, or Sting's face. I believe it was Sting's face that came before the actual word Sting. And then you just still have him walk out, you know, bat in hand, slow trot to the ring. You know, again, Undertaker all these years has been synonymous to the slow trot, walk to the ring, looking intimidating. And now it's happening against him. And all you get is the two of them standing in the ring face to face. Undertaker, same way that he accepted, I believe it was Triple H's match. And maybe it was the second or first one where all they did was they stared down at each other. Undertaker takes the thumb, goes across the throat, eyes rolled back. And Sting just hollers in his face, gives this big Sting woo right in his face. And that's it. Lights go out, then Undertaker's gone. Sting's in the ring. Let the fans go wild. Let the fans go crazy for Sting, right? Then you fade to black. And then in the following weeks, you have Sting come on. You know, you don't need to have him weekly on television. And, you know, obviously he's not going to be wrestling probably until WrestleMania at that point. But you have him build up, build up, build up. And then I think you could probably have somebody like the Undertaker in the Royal Rumble match at that point. You know, if we're building up to... Um, if we're building up to WrestleMania, you know, have Undertaker in that Royal Rumble, which I believe Undertaker was in that Royal Rumble. And you just have Sting again. Lights go out. Maybe Undertaker's in the ring with like three or four guys. So that way you don't really interrupt the flow of the match that much. It's probably going to be towards the end of the match anyway, because Undertaker, again, a little bit older, a little bit bigger of a guy. Not, not just saying he's a big, you know, not saying he's a lumbering guy or anything, but he is, you know, six foot, 300. So, uh, you know, Sting comes in again in the ring. Maybe he has the bat with him again this time, pokes Undertaker with the bat, throws him over the rope, and then Undertaker sits up after getting tossed over and it's hissed. Then you have the weeks leading up to that being just setting up the WrestleMania match. You know, you can have Sting even be in the ring and point the bat at the WrestleMania sign, you know, officially saying to Undertaker, I want you. And then you just have the two legends promo battle for weeks and weeks and weeks. Have them maybe have one, one little confrontation in person. Again, you can have one of them be in the ring cutting a promo. The uh, lights go out, crow clock, gong, whatever you want it to be. The other one comes into the ring. They exchange some words. And then you get to WrestleMania. Now, I think Sting versus Undertaker at WrestleMania is something that legitimately everybody has wanted at some point in their life. If you were a fan, at least, you know, back during 2014, 2015, when Sting was in WWE. Because Undertaker at that WrestleMania had a match against Bray Wyatt. And not that that match was bad, but Bray Wyatt went into that match hurt. So, you know, and it was also Undertaker's first match after the streak was broken. So Undertaker can afford to take a loss here. 
And that is where I'm coming in. I think that I don't think I would have booked the Sting versus Undertaker match like how the the Sting Triple H match went, where you know you had you had Degeneration X come out, you had NWO come out, which was fun. Don't get me wrong, that was really fun. I had a lot of I I, I popped pretty hard for both of those things happening, but I I think I would have Sting go over. I mean, you know, they're probably not going to have the best match in the world. You know, Sting is definitely probably going to carry the match. You know, again, this is starting to get to the point of Undertaker. You know. Definitely can see the age starting to show on him. Uh, you know, definitely need somebody to carry him a little bit more in the ring. But I think both of these guys would have been really fun to watch. You know, they're, they're both were just good characters. They're not really praised for their in-ring work. I mean, Sting definitely has a great, great in-ring worker. But, you know, I think that they could just really feed off the crowd's energy. Again, both veterans, both have always had their finger on the pulse for what's hot in wrestling. You know, both have reinvented themselves multiple times in wrestling. And I think that I have Sting go over, you know, fans, I think, would be very happy about that. And I think Undertaker, especially at this point in his career, has enough humility to let Sting get the dub. Whereas, you know, somebody like Triple H or somebody like WWE in general can never let WCW go over. God forbid they let WCW go over. So I think that's how I would I would like to see it go down. I know that was pretty general, but it's tough to kind of pick specifics seven years in retrospect. Yeah, it's definitely tough to pick specifics in this one. Um, even though I got back in wrestling four years ago, I still very aware of Sting's WWE run. The streaming services are a beautiful thing. <laughs> I've definitely watched a fair share of stuff in the past, both in that gap when I wasn't a fan and before I was even alive <laughs> or before... You know, I was six years old. That's around when I got into it the first time. For uh, Sting and Undertaker, I would have rather see this than Triple H and Sting. How I would do it, I think Survivor Series would be a good spot. Have Undertaker win a spotlight match against another legend or, like, big name. And then Sting come out after that and debut and just have a quick standoff and just dip. Or just, like... Not even come to the ring. Like, maybe just have him in the rafters. <laughs> you just hear the music. Undertaker is looking around. He looks up in the rafters. And they just lock eyes. And uh, Sting just dips. It's not much of it. Like, there'll be a promo the week after. Undertaker will acknowledge it. Sting will finally have a face-off and just leave the ring. And you're still not knowing what's happening. And then... A few weeks go by, nothing's really happened. You're like, oh, what's up with that? There's like, there could be like technical glitches that hints at both of them and stuff like that for a while. Then Royal Rumble comes, they're both in Rumble match. But I'd say, unlike yours, I'd say they both actually eliminate each other, <laughs> both fall at the same time. And then the build would just be promos. Like, I wouldn't have them have a match until WrestleMania. I just do promos and vignettes, lots of vignettes. Like I'd have Undertaker and like some nostalgic ones. I have some Sting doing some of his stuff from like WCW, kind of playing with that. Undertaker, like Undertaker in his workshop making the coffin for Sting. Even though I want Undertaker be Undertaker, I want him to be the Phenom, the Dead Man. You could play a little bit with American Badass, just like maybe hinting at it, but don't become the character. So I, I always loved American Badass, and I think American Badass and Sting would be a cool clash, too. 
but hint at it. Don't don't go full American badass. Don't go full other Undertaker personas. Just stick to the Phenom and just hint at other stuff. And then WrestleMania will be the match. I wouldn't make it a normal match. I think I'd do a Hell in a Cell. I think that would be the way to go. I think that's usually Undertaker is best in these big spotlight matches. Him, Triple H, him, and Mankind, or in so many. Just I think that's the way to do it. And you give a stipulation match to either of them. They always knock it out of the park with stipulations. Especially since they're both older at this point, even, even seven years ago. So a stipulation makes things more interesting for guys that bodies aren't as good, aren't as durable, aren't able to do as many things as they were in their prime. So yeah, that's what I do there. And I'd, I'd have Undertaker win. Same reason as you. Just, you don't want to give that WCW guy the victory. But yeah, I'd have Undertaker go over. And maybe a possibility in the future, a couple years down the line, of a rematch. Maybe that time it would be American Badass versus Sting. Maybe even have Sting be like one of his other past personas. I love, I like Surfer Sting. Because I have watched like WCW like on the network. So that'd be cool. I think that's it for me for uh, what I do in that fancy book. I like that. I, I think that we both have really good ways of kind of bringing them both together and clash. And it is really sad that we never were able to get that match within WWE because I mean, even back in the nineties, that that's a marquee match, man. There's very few that had character work and just got wrestling like The Undertaker and Sting did. All right, and we will move on to our last topic of the night and something that kind of goes well and well hand in hand with what you were just talking about. And that is regarding stipulation matches. I mean, it's no surprise in pro wrestling, although the action is uh, gimmicked, as some might say. There are some match types that are very gimmicky, yet can tell a compelling story no matter who's involved what's involved we had a championship custody of a child custody of a weapon on a pole custody of a person on a pole somebody hanging above the ring in a shark cage you know wrestling is out there man and that's what i fucking love about it so kind of what we want to talk about is just some of the best stipulation matches there are um is there one juice for you that in particular that just stands out yes it's it's probably my favorite the ladder match, if I want to be more specific, I'd say the Money in the Bank ladder match, especially when it was in WrestleMania only and not in its own pay-per-view. But, yeah, the ladder match, it's just chaos. I love the different way of ending the match. I love more people in the match. Well, I mean, you can do a one-on-one ladder match. They can be beautiful, too. I mean, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, that's one of the greatest matches of all time. and That's just beautiful can add another storytelling element it's a way to have if you have a faction or a manager for them to get involved without any dq because there's no dq it's a ladder match it's it's just chaos it's chaos and what happened because anyone can interfere and it can be legal it's chaos because you don't know how that ladder is going to react when you land on it fall off it whatever you know, I, I always want wrestlers to be safe. I don't want to get hurt. But sometimes you don't land the way or hit the way. It doesn't exactly the way you want it. And as long as they're perfectly fine and don't get hurt, 
I kind of like that because the unpredictability in these unnatural things that you don't plan for to happen with the ladder adds it adds more to me watching like when you don't expect it when it doesn't go their way but they're perfectly fine it's just cooler it adds another element to the match and it adds so much to the match and also just that moment of like when they're they grab the title or grab the briefcase at the top of the ladder it's just a cool moment even if it's a heel or a face it doesn't matter just like the heel being the cocky one and like cheating to grab it and like you, you're like, oh, you, you shouldn't have grabbed that. You had, you had help. Or if it's a good guy finally, like, getting their moment, just, like, at the top, at the very top of the summit, both literally and figuratively, this is cool. I love ladder matches will always be my uh, go-to. I mean, sometimes the situation changes. Like, I do like Hell in the Cells, but they get overdone at points. Steel cages are cool. But, again, like, get overdone. Like, I don't like the whole uh, – open the door thing i'd rather just climb over i mean there's a lot of different options i didn't mention too that are cool but ladder match is the way to go for me that's my favorite that's what i think is the best i completely agree with you i don't think that ladder match is necessarily my favorite but i love a good ladder match there really is nothing in pro wrestling like a well-told ladder match story uh, I and by the way, I just want to completely agree with you. By the way, WWE put money in the bank back at WrestleMania, please. Like, I I get that it's a good draw for a pay per view, but please put it back to its own thing. That was so fun, just a fun concept. Great way to showcase like eight, seven or eight great guys in a hard hitting, high flying match. Any style of wrestler could be in a ladder match, especially for money in the bank. But for me. I have always been a sucker for a table match. I love a good tables match. Like, I understand that the concept of them is relatively simple. And, you know, with a ladder match, there's a lot that goes on. A lot can go wrong, kind of like what you said, kind of increases to the risk of the match. But I just think, like, the concept of a match ends when you break somebody through a table is just so awesome. And I love when there's, like, original ideas. Like, some of my favorite table matches is when Sheamus won his first WWE championship. It was a tables match against John Cena because they were both perched up on the top rope and all Sheamus did was push John Cena off the top rope and won a WWE championship because of it. And my second favorite one is the Big Show versus Cody Rhodes uh, intercontinental title tables match that I believe happened at a TLC pay-per-view where Big Show was going to step over the top rope and Cody Rhodes drop kicked his leg that he swings over the top rope. And Big Show missed the apron coming back down and stepped through a table and had the most like shocked expression on his face. But I thought that was one of the most creative table finishes I've ever seen because the ref is like, sorry, dude, like his action caused you to go through a table technically. <laughs> so that would pop me pretty good. But I, I will say too, I love TLC matches because I think TLC is kind of really bring the best of all those worlds together being like your ladder match my table match getting chairs involved and it's just a general no dq match too at that point i i want to also shout out three others because i i am just a very indecisive person i love last man standing matches purely because i love the concept of beating a guy to the point where he can literally not answer standing up in 10 seconds I think that that's just really good. And there's been so many great last man standing matches. You know, my, my favorite probably being uh, John Cena versus Umaga at the Royal Rumble. 
That's an honest, honest to God, all time classic for me. One of my favorite matches of all time. That match was just super fucking brutal. Recommend anybody going to see that match if you have not yet. Like, again, I think that's probably Umaga's best match. I think that's one of John Cena's best matches as, uh, you know, kind of become before becoming Super Cena in that point of becoming like John Cena, who's still used an FU versus John Cena, who's starting to become like a fan favorite babyface. And I also really like, I do also really like I quit matches though. Cause again, just beating a guy to a point of not being able to, you know, literally having to quit the match. And then uh, a last one for me, uh, just again, we talked about cage matches and stuff like that. I, I love Hell in a Cell. I, I, I think I fell in love with Hell in a Cell probably around the time of, uh, I believe it was Undertaker versus Batista, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was Undertaker versus Batista, Hell in a Cell at Survivor Series 2007. Because 2007 was the year I got into wrestling, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that was 14 years ago. I was 10 years old. Yeah, that makes sense. I, was, I got into wrestling when I was about 10, 11 years old. So, yeah, that, that, that Hell in a Cell match really sold me on how good a Hell in a Cell match can be. I just love, I love brutal matches. I mean, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I love brutal matches. I love big meaty men slapping meat and I love brutal matches. So give me, give me, like, I know a lot of people don't like death matches, but give me a good death match too. Fuck it. Let's throw a death match on the list. So those are my five. Uh, (laughs) But I think honestly though, like I just am a sucker for a tables match. I don't know what about a tables match just really like draws it to me, but I just like the unpredictability of like, Oh, they're making this spot look really creative. Oh, the table's in a unique spot. Oh, they're climbing down from the top rope. Oh, the heel disassembled the table. Oh, you know, the heel took the door or the, the table out of the corner. Uh, I said door because we went to go see Fett forever and there was a lot of doors used instead of tables. So, yeah, I, I, I like tables matches. Probably my favorite, but like I said, and give me any of those five matches that I listed and I am definitely tuning them. So I do like table matches. There's one specific... I think it might have been triple threat tag team elimination match tables match. I think it was Hardys. Uh, maybe just maybe it was just the Hardys versus the Dudleys. Wasn't triple threat. It was Survivor Series two thousand two. Jeff Hardy and the Dudley Boys versus Three Minute Warning and Rico in a tight in a tables elimination match. Yeah, I think I was combining two different matches. <laughs> I was combining that one and a Royal Rumble just normal tables between the Hardys and the Dudleys. I was, like, fusing them in, into that one match. <laughs> yeah, no, those are two different matches I was thinking of. So, yeah, tail matches could be fun. Ladder matches I mentioned. You mentioned five million matches. <laughs> the stipulations. Stipulation matches are cool. I always, I always uh, get excited for certain stipulation matches, or most of them. I like chaos, too. I like I like brutal stuff. So death matches are cool. Yeah, there's a lot of great stipulations out there. On our socials, comment or DM us your favorite stipulations. We'll shout you out on socials. We'll shout you out on here. Let us know. Join the conversation. And as we come crashing down to the mat on this episode of Top of the Cage, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys are going to check out our previous interviews with the likes of Rich Palladino, with the likes of Phil Cardigan, with the likes of Mike Verna, and so many more. And like you said, make sure y'all are hitting us up on social media, letting us know what you think about the world of wrestling.